0: All right, we're going to jump in. I was supposed to be doing Acts 27, and it was this cool shipwreck story. And last night, I felt like the Lord said he had something else to say. At least I hope it was him, because I do not want to do this. I was telling a few of you this morning, I had anxiety about it all night. I have been so nervous. I just don't want to talk about this at all, but we are going to jump in. Psalm 133.1 says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So, I'm sure you're all aware of everything that's going on with the dwelling place right now. Unless you've been, you don't have social media or you've been hiding under a rock. I'm sure everybody knows there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's protesters down there this morning. There's a lawsuit going on, there's just a bunch of things. We're not going to discuss the lawsuit this morning. If you want to know where we stand on that, Sam spoke on that. I, I can't even hear out of my own ears. Sam says I need this closer. Sorry. OK. All right. My ears are so plugged, you guys. OK, so um, if you want to know where we stand on that, back in February, Sam shared a little bit on that. We are not going to get into that part of it. Uh, we love and all of the people who are on the lawsuit. They are very good friends. The main guy happens to be Sam's boss, so that just brings in an added element of awkwardness. So we're not addressing that. What we are going to address is how do we as a church, how do we as Christians and believers relate to the people of the dwelling place? Because I've already had a couple of them reach out to me via text, just asking questions, uh, expressing concerns, uh, wanting reassurance that we're still friends. I mean, weird things like why? You guys, I had a customer. You guys know I have a little pop-up business. I had a customer who on Friday text messaged me, and she goes, so you're a part of Vineyard. Did you know that you guys are suing this other church? I was like, yes, I know about it. A customer, you guys. Customer, I've had my soccer mom friends say, hey, I, you need to get out of the vineyard. I heard they're being sued. And I was like, because everybody's taking their own version of what's going on. And I was like, yeah, there's that. Anyway, I'm not going to address the lawsuit itself. That is a train plowing forward that I have no control over one way or another. But John 17, Jesus is in the garden before he died. So he knows he's about to be crucified. He's going to go up to heaven. And then he's going to come back and have his final hurrah with the disciples. And what is he in the garden doing? He's praying. And one of the last prayers that he prays is for his church, his people. And he is saying in verse 21, he said, Lord, or Father, he's praying, Father, you know, make the believers one like we're one. So as he's getting ready to face the cross, one of the things that he's grieved over is that he knows his people are not going to get along. I mean, I have three sisters. You guys have heard stories in Mexico. We are a hot mess. We argue and bicker and fight. And we uh, are super immature with each other. And you have kids. Some of you do, and some of you don't. But you've seen. You know what it's like to be in a family. And my kids will come up to us, and one's tattling on this, and the other's tattling on that. And sometimes you just don't want to deal with either of them but I guess part of parenting means you have to. And um, sometimes those disputes grow and grow and grow, and you see families where they're not talking to each other, and you see people who aren't talking to each other, and they're in the same family, and then family dies, and you just have this whole train wreck of mess. Well, it's the same in the body of Christ. We have people in this church who have friends at the dwelling place, right? Do we all have friends? I was going to say, we have board members who have family on staff at the dwelling place. My daughter, who happens to be here this morning, goes to the dwelling place. I don't know if you guys know that. We have a child at the dwelling place. My older son also was going there, but he's in Georgia going to like a Baptist church or something now. I don't know. He's a Baptist. Um, (laughs) The charismatic one, though. and my other, yeah, anyway, children all over the place. So we have friends and family there, right? Does this whole thing make it feel awkward for you guys? Anybody? It's awkward, huh? It's, it's a messy situation. And you're left sitting there. There's a natural tendency, I think, that you just kind of want to pull away. Like, OK, there's a conflict. I don't, I, I don't know quite where I land on this. I don't know how I feel, or I have questions. And so you kind of tend to pull away. Yes, that seems to be just a natural thing. But I want to be super clear. There is no us versus them. We are in the kingdom of God, and we are one body, and we cannot have an us versus them attitude. First Corinthians 12 says, uh, starting in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slave, or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not, wait, I copied and pasted this, and it didn't copy and paste right. (laughs) If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Blame it on the medication, whatever. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again to the head, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great honor. And on the unrepresentable parts, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty So when this whole thing began to unfold back in February, um, I felt just a fear of the Lord in my own life, like just, okay, if this could happen to one group, one church, what makes me above that, you know, to be able to be above that? Like, and I just really felt like the Lord said, Brooke, start checking your own heart. Start checking for anything in your own heart where, you know, don't start looking and judging and pointing out the sin in them. Start checking your own heart. So some of you guys know our whole story of us leaving Anaheim. Many of you don't know the details. Most of you probably never will. Vineyard USA knows in great detail because Sam had a five-hour meeting with them. Um, They know everything, I think, pretty much everything. Our board knows quite a bit. Um, and it probably just isn't even edifying to go there on some of the details. But it was it was not a fun season in my life. It was a season where I actually wanted to leave church, period. I, I, all of a sudden, I got it. I understood why people wanted to leave the church. I wanted no part. I actually booked um, the Yorbalinda Farmer's Market on Sunday mornings just to avoid going to church. I didn't want to show up anywhere. That was a short season of time, but it was. I was like, I'm done with the church. All of a sudden, I went from loving the church to I want no part of it. We, um, it was abundantly clear we were not going to move forward with them. And for various reasons, I had a lot of meetings where I cried, and I gave more than my two cents to Alan in those meetings. And um, he probably thought I was a crazy woman. <laughs> Sam was usually, I'm the diplomatic one and Sam's the really blunt person because that's part of his job. And Sam kept, like, leaning over, like, like, touching me to, like, hey, stop. And I was like, Nobody. This is my, this is my moment. <laughs> and so um, it was a hard season. I would avoid, they live, like, two streets up from my parents. I would avoid, like, seeing them. I would avoid running into them because it was awkward. It was weird. I didn't like them for a season of time. And... Um, I wanted to leave the church. The problem, we both did, wasn't just, I'm just talking about my side. The problem is that the Lord goes, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? And are you really going to leave like this? And I'm like, oh, I hate it when God is right. And he's always right. And I'm always wrong. But Sam and I have an agreement. We or an understanding in our marriage. We do not leave something because it's bad or it's not good. We leave something because God is leading us out to something different or something better. And so we sat there. We said, okay, Lord, we will not leave until you release us. Um, We will not leave in bitterness or in anger. So we showed up every Sunday for months, feeling super stupid, sitting in the seats, going, oh, my gosh, this isn't even home anymore. What do we do? But my children were thriving there. And so we kept going, and we kept going. And at some point, we realized, oh, the bitterness is gone. The hurt was still there for a while, but the bitterness is gone. But it brought up an even bigger issue with me. It was if, if Alan didn't want us, maybe God didn't want us. Like, it brought up all kinds of stuff that I had to work through. And, and actually, it was sitting there listening to Old Testament survey in the Bible classes that I was taking, listening to Chuck Smith's old messages from the 80 teaching through the Old Testament and the patriarchs of the faith. And I was like, oh, they were royal screw-ups. And look at all that God did through them. I'm like, I can relate to these people. God's not done with me. God's teaching me something in this. He was exposing what was in my own heart in dealing with me. Because I can't change that situation in that moment. I couldn't change somebody's mind. I couldn't change somebody's heart or attitude towards me. I had to deal with my own, my own heart and my own attitude. So with everything that's going on right now, it's okay to have questions. I have questions now. I read through the whole lawsuit, I've got some questions, and I fully plan to ask Alan and Catherine, myself, because we keep running into them, so I assume next time I run into them, I'm going to ask them. I've got questions. It's okay to be hurt and feel wronged. It's okay. It's okay to be angry and confused. However, Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. It's okay to feel betrayed. I know a lot of, I've heard a lot of what a lot of you guys have said of your feelings in this. What it's not okay to do, it's not okay to slander and gossip. It's not okay to throw stones at them and to pick fights. It's not okay to seek vengeance. Obadiah verse 12 says, do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. And I was reading through Obadiah and I'm just like, sometimes when, you know, when, so you see with my kids, like, one of them will get in trouble and then they, they get punished. And then the other one's like, yes, you had that coming. And it, then you just want to, like, beat that child too. You know, just like, oh, my gosh, stop. Well, it's the same way with us. Like, it's easy to look at, oh, this lawsuit, they had it coming. I'm so, and no, it's like, no, the Lord is like, do not gloat in this. You guys, nobody wins in this situation. Because there is a church full of people that are willingly sitting there every Sunday that love that church. They love it. Alan and Catherine are not evil. I know that's a popular theory right now. They're not, they might be wrong on things, but they are not evil. I have had some really good talks with them in the last few weeks. I would never work for him, (laughs) I would never be a part, but they are not evil. Romans 12 says, uh, 9 through 21, "Let, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, says the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I know that in a lot of ways, for a lot of people here, this feels like persecution to them. And it feels like they're being done wrong. Right here it says, bless them. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So several years back, about fifteen years back, we had super messy situation where we had to go to Lance after giving an ultimatum to somebody. Um, Somebody who had gotten into sin, it was a leader at the church, and they were literally lying to Lance, and they were going to make a thing. And I, the, woman had, the wife had told me the whole story. So I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I called Carol Wimber, and I'm like, Carol, help. This is a huge mess. And she goes, listen, here's what you do. And she walked me through the whole thing. Give him 24 hours, and you tell him, if you don't go to Lance, I will. So I ended up going to Lance. This person lost it. They literally, um, I don't want to give all kinds of details away. Anyways, they lost it. And they left the church altogether, and the marriage fell apart, and they walked away from it and all this. Well, they, you know, in their anger and frustration, built up this whole case that they were being wronged. And I was like, how do you spin that one? So they built up this whole case they were being wronged and roped in other people from the church. Well, one person in particular jumped on this bandwagon, and we were living in Kansas City at the time, so we weren't even living here, you guys. We just happened to be like involved in all this mess. We were embroiled in this, all this drama. So we're in Kansas City, and I get on Facebook, and this person is ranting and raving about how they hope that God will drop bombs on Kansas City to wipe out a particular couple. I was like, oh, he's talking about us. Like, and I'm, like, sitting here going, oh, my gosh. So I, like, it's like, okay, I'm just going to ignore this one. And then he starts coming over to, like, he picked on Sam on this one, and Sam wasn't even involved. And he, like, starts picking on Sam. He goes to his Facebook page, and he goes, you need to come see this mess you made of this marriage over here. What? So he just is going on and on and on. So finally, we blocked him and did all this stuff. And then my sisters are not helping because the drama, you know, we thrive on this. And they're like sending me screenshots. And I'm like, stop telling me that he's calling us out by name. Just stop. I don't want to know anymore. I can't think about it. Well, for years, I had dreams about this person. For years, it haunted me. Like, it haunted me. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. And the Lord says, you have to pray for him. I found out he had lost his job and he'd been out of work for years. Lord goes, pray that, the Lord, pray that I would bless them. Pray that I would bless their family. You guys, I didn't want God to bless them. I didn't like this person. For all I cared, he could have jumped off a cliff and I would have lived happily ever after. That was where I was at. But I prayed for him and we prayed for him and we prayed for his family. So the day that Alan comes on, I realize, oh shoot, he's going to come back to church, this guy. Years later, so I hadn't thought about him in a long time, and I'm, like, dreading seeing this man. I am dreading seeing him. Sure enough, he's there. Alan's first Sunday, this guy shows up, and he's there. And I'm so nervous because I'm just, like, everybody knew, like, in our immediate circle. And so one of our friends is watching. They're, like, what are you going to do? So I just, I walked up to him, and I said, hey, I mean, like, how do you broach this? Like, you threatened to. You're saying you wanted bombs to drop on Kansas City and wipe us out and stuff. I'm like, I don't know. So I just went up and I said, hey, I know we had, haven't had the greatest past, and he just came over and he just hugged me, and he said it's in the past. I didn't get an apology, but I got that, and we're fine now. So it was like, it literally, that was it. But I was I'm able to look at him without resentment. I'm able to look at him without hatred anymore. I mean, I wanted, oh, man, I was praying psalms and imprecatory prayers on him, and God was like, no, actually, I want you to bless him. That was not fun. Um, Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So again, these people didn't make decisions that are at the dwelling place. They didn't, I mean, they made decisions to stay. There's no sin in that, there's no wrong in that. But are we going to say, hey, I'm sorry about this mess that's going on? that neither you or I caused. But we're still friends. Let's, let's fight for each other's destinies. Let's, let's fight for the Lord to break in and have his way in this. In 1 Corinthians 6-7, I wasn't even going to go here, but I'm going to go here, so be it. 1 Corinthians 6-7, Paul, while talking about believers, suing believers, he says, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? You guys, we as a church are going to be wronged over the years. We are, especially as God starts to move and people start saying horrible things about us. And you know what? We're going to stay silent to that. And we are going to take the approach of being wronged. And we're going to turn it back and go, God, this is your issue. This is the stance that as a church we are going to take over the years. Because it's going to come. It just will. If we're doing it right, it will come. Persecution will come. People will not like us. Maybe the school will kick us out. I don't know. So here's what I'm asking for you guys as a church. I know I've read through all the legal documents. I've read all the articles, because there's a lot of them. I've read through all the posts on Facebook and Instagram. I don't know why, but I did. And I'm sure most of you guys are as well. I am asking that as you do this, before you make any judgments towards people, whether in person, online, whatever, I am asking that you guys pray. We have to take God's approach on this and have his heart. Pray for wisdom for the people that are suing that the Lord would speak to them, pray for them. Pray they would know God's will. Pray for the dwelling place pastors, all the staff. They're now having to, you know, they don't believe that they were wrong. They don't. They all have kids, kids who are watching this and going, oh, I'm glad we left the vineyard. They don't look like nice people. accusations are being made and will come out there will it will get uglier you guys this will get uglier because as people get mad again and again there's some there's there it's okay to be mad but what I'm saying is don't feed that fire don't add more wood to that fire because there are genuinely real people who are involved in this I'm asking for you guys to pray for Ellen and Catherine by name and their family. Because there's crazy people out there that just, they'll pick up on this whole thing and they'll just be like, yes, let's take them down. Uh, I heard rumor that somebody left poop on Ellen's front porch. So the first thought is, it's Vineyard. Things like that, that's evil. It's disgusting and it's wrong. We are going to pray for them. You may not be able to do it right away. You may not be able to. But you can start praying for different people in their church. I'm just asking that you guys, before you speak or before you act, that you truly pray. And you know what? You could just praise. Lord, give me your heart for them. Give me your heart for them. That's a good one. I pray that often about Sam. (laughs) When I am mad at Sam, I'm like, Lord, show me how you see Sam. He probably prays that same thing all the time for me. I do. I, I pray that. Lord, show me how you see because then your heart changes. And that's all we can deal with. We can't change what's going on out there, but we can change our own hearts so that we can be postured before the Lord and not be distracted by what's going on. And again... I, I am not talking about things being ignored or swept under the carpet. Please hear me. Please hear what I am saying, not what I am not saying. Okay? We um, Sam and I have not walked this out perfectly. Twenty-seven years ago, when we were living in Tibet, there was a couple there, and he came out with this husband—not Sam. This husband came out with all these confessions, and I was like, "You are psycho." and I want nothing to do with either of you. And they were our really good friends. So we literally, like, in our immaturity and our own brokenness and everything, we just put up, like, a wall. We lived in the same dorm, and we would, like, maybe he wouldn't, maybe it was just me, would, like, sneak out the other door if they were out there and, like, trying to avoid them. So at a time when they needed love they needed counsel which we didn't have but we could have at least like prayed with them or something when they needed someone the most we bolted and god dealt with us on that later and we ran into them later and we were able to say i am so sorry i am so sorry and we were friends again i mean we're not close friends they live in a whole other place but we're friends it's been restored and so in this situation, I'm asking for you to not run from the dwelling place. I'm asking you to do the opposite. I'm even going to go so far as to ask that you guys might pray about, who are my friends over there that I've kind of dropped the ball on? Even if they had a role in dropping the ball, but this whole split, even before the lawsuit, who, who do I have friends over there that I used, used to be close with? How do I reach out to them? Might be a simple text. Maybe you'll bake them cookies, drop off flowers. I don't know. Go to dinner with them. And you guys can just agree to not talk about the lawsuit. Just say, listen, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how you are and how you're doing. I'm a major justice person. Like, I am super black and white. And I am like, you're in the wrong. You need to just die. That's kind of like, as a teenager, I used to pray that all the time. Because I was super dumb. And I would just, well, it's in the Psalms. And really, there's a time and a place for it. And it's not all the time. But like, I was like, God, defend your name and strike them dead. And stuff like that. It it was bad. I've grown up a little bit over the years. And like, the Lord had to break me and humble me, and big time. And I've been growing and learning how to be gracious and to extend mercy, and to show kindness. I literally hated during the campaign times when they would say, don't build a wall, we need to build bridges. You guys, I hated hearing that. I I was like, please, just stop. But in this situation, I'm saying, you guys, we can't build walls. Like, I think it's a good thing. We can't build walls between churches. And that doesn't just go with them, that goes with, Maybe the super Pentecostal church wherever down here or the super conservative church down there that we don't like. That goes for all of it. I don't want us to stir dissension. I don't want us to stir the pot. I want us to go hard after Jesus and to find out what he is saying and doing in our area for this next season because I don't want to miss out with fighting I don't want to miss what the Lord has. And I feel like this is a test for us as a church. Ultimately, lawsuit or not, I believe God will have the final say on this. I do. On both sides, he's going to have the final say. 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That is our heart posture in all of this. There, uh, We had recommended this book before, A Tale of Three Kings. Um, if you guys are like, how do we deal with this? I highly recommend it. I'm going to read the dedication to you before we close. To the brokenhearted Christians coming out of authoritarian groups seeking solace, healing, and hope. May you somehow recover and go on with him who is liberty. And to the Christians who have been or presently are involved in the heart-rending experience of a division within your fellowship, may this story give you light, clarity, and comfort. And may you, too, somehow recover and go on with him who is peace. And may you both be so utterly healed that you can still answer the call of him who asks for all, because he is all, because ultimately, It's not about our right to be right. It's about him. It's about following Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment. I want everyone to stand, and I just want you to close your eyes and just hold out your hand. And I want us as a church to really seek The Lord for a second and if there is anything in us where we've been wrong I want us to deal with it before the Lord we can't change them we can't change what they've done we can't change the way they do things whether right or whether wrong we can only change our own hearts by coming before the Lord And so let's just take a minute and let's just ask the Lord to reveal anything. Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts right now, God. Lord, if there's any areas in us that just aren't pleasing to you in this whole situation, God. Lord, that you would show us so we can We can be quick to deal with it, Lord. Lord, we want to be a people who walk purely before you, God. Who walk holy because you are holy, God. We want to be able to comfort those, Lord, who are hurting. Without adding fuel to the fire, God. We want to be peacekeepers, Lord Jesus, in the body of Christ. So come, Lord. Come show us where we've been wrong, Lord Jesus. Some of you might have some prayers that you want to pray out, and I'm going gonna, gonna to give room for that. If there's anything the Lord puts on your heart right now that you just want to pray out. Lord, we recognize that there is a group of people down there that are called by your name, Lord Jesus, that love you and you love them. Lord, show us how to love them, God, the way that you do. So, Lord, we just, we just ask that you would be with us as we go from here today, God that you would be with us this week, Lord Jesus. You you'd begin to speak to us, Lord Jesus. That we would um, hear your voice in all of this, God. See your will in all of this, Lord, and what you're doing. Give us your eyes for this, Lord God, and for these people we ask.